know, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, we used to meet, this service used to meet upstairs uh, at the conference room. And there were a few of us, and there, there are men and women who, if they didn't stick around, I don't think the service will still be here. The, the porters, one of those people, the Hanakoms, Gregs, and Buyazis, so many people who helped build this service to be what it is now. And I am so grateful for their work, their diligence, and their faithfulness. I, I turned to Champ as we're doing worship, and I said, hey, man, this is welcome home, but also welcome to the fruit of your labor, along with many other people who for years, you know, stayed faithful when no one pitched up. Trust me, when no one <laughs> pitched up. The same folks used to pitch up every single Sunday. So marvelous to see what God has done. Uh, how, how does one begin to describe Champ? Champ was my senior when I came into varsity. Great man. He's the husband of one wife. He's got two beautiful daughters. <laughs> you must say that these days. You never know. <laughs> He's got two beautiful daughters. Uh, he's a chartered accountant as well as an entrepreneur. But the best way I could describe Champ really is by reading this, which I think epit- epitomizes the man who's going to share the word today. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields yields fruit in its season, and its leaf do not wither. In all that he does, he tends to prosper. Can you put your hands together as Champ comes up to share and navigate? Good to see you. Can we give Jesus a mighty, wonderful, crazy praise? Thank you for inviting me. Um, I just want to say thanks to the leadership of the church under the custodian or the stewardship of Pastor Roger and his wife, and to Pastor Save Marsh, thank you so much for the great work you guys are doing, to Pastor Greg and the rest of the team, so dependable, so amazing. Thank you for your labor, and I pray that God may increase you as we start. So I just want to also say to the team that's working hard with the pastors, you guys are doing a phenomenal work. And I pray that you, you recognize what God is doing here, that, uh, you know, the world is changing through what you're doing. It may, not, it may not seem like that because you are in it, but for those who are not in it, they are a witness of your labor. So can I ask you to give yourself a wonderful round of applause as well? Um, It is an honor and a privilege for me to share the Word of God today. I am grateful to the series, Navigate. I know that every time we speak about purpose, it makes a huge impact in our lives. I had the privilege of listening to all the sermons that has been preached for the Navigate series, and my life is impacted. And as we preach today, or as I conclude... I want to share about moving from career to the kingdom as part of navigating and part of living out our purpose on a daily basis. So 
Really, the essence of my preach today is about living on purpose with divine kingdom awareness on a daily basis. And for us to do that, we need to live with a perspective that changed everything and know that God sent Jesus Christ to the world and that world means everything to him. And we, the sons of God, are called and sent into that world to reclaim everything. Can we pray as we are about to start? Wonderful Father, precious Jesus, we give you glory and honor this wonderful evening. I pray that you speak through my lips, Lord God. I pray that you minister your word, full of grace, full of truth. Strengthen my feeble body this evening. I pray in the name of Jesus that you impact us with your word. And I ask, O oh God, that you protect this word in our hearts, that the enemy of our souls may not steal it, but it may bear fruit and fruit that will last into eternity. Fruit, O oh God Almighty, into 30, into 60, and 100 folds. And Lord God, I pray that we may walk out of this place knowing that we are called to reclaim everything for the King of Kings who will rule and reign forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2003, November, December period, I wrote an exam. The exam that I wrote was not more than an hour, probably 30 minutes, and it determined what was going to happen in the next year. It was an oral exam, and I was given a second chance, a supplementary exam, oral exam, in my final year of studies to prove to my lecturers that I should go to the next level. And that next level was to graduate and begin my training, and I failed, 30 minutes. And I failed one exam. And it meant that I had to repeat the whole four courses that I had passed because that's how our profession worked. And I remember in December that year, I had to go home. It was the first time I had failed a final exam. So we didn't know how to cope with it at home. So my parents thought maybe I would be devastated or whatever the case may be. But I explained to them that, look, I believe that you know, God will make a way. And we didn't even have the finances to navigate this in the next step. <laughs> so I went into a prayer room at home. And as I was praying, my normal prayer, I normally try to pray during generations because I, not, I didn't have a lot of disturbances. At home with Lude around the TV. So I felt the Lord was asking me a question. And the question was what if this qualification will not come? What if it's not for you? Why do you really want to qualify in the field that you are? In. It was 
not a good question at the time. I thought I would get an, a question like, um, don't worry, my son. You know what? I still have good things for you. Have you not forgotten that I said I will never leave you nor forsake you? But it was a different kind of a question. The question that I could not answer immediately, hastily. I had to dig deep and be honest with God and search in my heart to say, why? Tonight we're talking about from career to kingdom. And I realized that the career that I was pursuing was a, a career that had a lot of privilege in it. And a number of my colleagues at the time, one of my classmates, used to have pictures on the wall of his study, uh, on the wall of his door room, on the wall of his room address. And these pictures were pictures of fine cars, particular model that he liked. And for him, it's one of the reasons why he wanted to qualify, because he has a right, license, and he can afford anything. So we were told. <laughs> one of my friends said to me, in our hard labor, I want the finer things in life, and I'm willing to work hard for them. We were coming from a library at the time, studying the same course. So when God asked me this question, it came at the back of the context in which I was living in. The context that understood the prestige that came with the qualification. And the fact that as a black young person, you are in demand. So why would God ask me this? And I remember asking him to give me a, a few minutes in my prayer time, and it was quiet for a while. And then I realized that there got to be something bigger than the prestige, than the paycheck, than whatever else that comes with it. But it didn't end there. When I started working, I wrestled a lot with the Lord. I found myself being in a context that I didn't understand. The culture that I found myself in, the values that I found myself in, the expectations upon us, the environment, wow, was so hostile to the world that I had known. On one hand, there's this prestige I'm pursuing in my carnal mind. On another hand, there's this hostility I'm facing. But in the middle of that is a burning desire to work as unto the Lord. There's a tension in my heart. I wanted to experience God in a mighty way in the marketplace. And I truly believe that he has called us who work to be in the marketplace, not as secondary Christians who did not hear God about the ministry, but as Christians who are called by God to do that which he wants us to do, which is to expand his kingdom, 
through the careers that we are in. I ask the question, where in the value chain of life, the value chain of the kingdom, where in eternity does my nine to five fit in? Is what I'm doing today having a significant impact in the eyes of God and does it echo in eternity? In the same way that as I'm standing here, I truly believe heaven is watching as I speak. Can it be that when I am pulling those hours, fixing that spreadsheet, the same work that I do, paying those bills to our clients, have the same effect? I wanted to know because that's where I was going to spend most of my time. And I knew that my time is a resource that cannot be wasted. I knew that my time is a resource that I'm going to account before God for. So if it's not used for Him, why does it matter then? Is there more to life than paying the bills and bringing my tithes to the storehouse of the Lord. So tonight I want us to look at a scripture that I pray that it impacts your life like it did to me. As we look at a perspective that really changed everything. When I understood what God was calling us to be and to do. Can we read and rise together as a custom in the house? I was listening to the series. We're navigating together. So, please join me. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds amongst the wheat, and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? And he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you uproot the weed along with them. Let them grow together. Until harvest. And but the Amen. So I'm going to read the explanation of the scripture that Jesus has, the parable that Jesus has just spoken. He said to the, uh, he left the crowd and went into the storehouse, into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sowed good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. 
The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out of they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into eternal fairy furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and snatching of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. When you put this parable together, it reads this, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the son of man who scatters the sons of the kingdom in his world. But while his men were sleeping, he, the devil, who is his enemy, sowed and scattered the sons of the evil one amongst the sons of the kingdom. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the fruit that the sons of the kingdom produced, the sons of the evil one produced the weeds. And the servants, who are the angels, said to the master, the son of man, Master, didn't you scatter the sons of the kingdom in your world? How then does your world have the sons of the evil one? He said to them, the devil has done this. Don't take it personal. The devil has done this. When things are not going out your way, the devil has done this. When your boss is a bit interesting, <laughs> sometimes the enemy has done it. But when a colleague from nowhere false accusations, sometimes they are not aware that they are operating under a different influence and you don't blame them. You don't fight with them. You have to understand that the enemy has done this. Don't take it personal. The enemy of your soul is doing stuff, but I've got good news. The end is coming. He has already been defeated. The end is coming. Don't you worry. God is for you. God is on your side. He will make it all work out. I love it. Then the angels said, do you want us to go and gather them? I am here to tell you tonight that the angels of God are watching over you. For me, it's a breakthrough moment. When the enemy is putting a trap, the angels of God at the workplace are guarding over you. When they cannot wait for you to fall and make a mistake. I'm here to tell you 
that the angels of God are guarding over you. This is something that no amount of money in the world, the peace that this brings, no amount of money in the world can give it to you. But I can assure you, the angels of God are guarding over you. Some of you are going through serious challenges in the workplace. And you are asking yourself, will I ever make it? Is there a way out? The angels of God are guarding over you. They cannot wait to actually do their job. Then he said, no. Lest in gathering the sons of the evil one, you uproot the sons of the kingdom and everything they produce along with them. Both, let them both, the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one, grow together until harvest time. And at the end of the age, I will tell the angels to do their job. So for me, the perspective that changed everything in my tension was that everything is about him. It was that this story is about Jesus. This world is, the, is, the, is, the, is about Jesus. It's his world. It's his field. How soothing is that? And I can tell you, even this enemy is his enemy. I was thinking about it, that what do you do to a parent when you know you cannot do anything to that parent? And, but you want to cause pain to that parent. What do you do? You go to the kids. You go to the kids. Before the devil was your enemy, he was his enemy. He is your enemy to the degree that it is his enemy. So you don't fight him like flesh and blood in the workplace. You don't do slandering like they do in the workplace. You don't fight like they fight in the workplace. You fight on your knees. You fight with the word of God. You speak it out. You utter it. You command. You release the angels to do their job on your behalf. Speak the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to intervene. That's what you do when he is trying to come like a flood. God will show up and protect you. He is trying to inflict pain not only to you. He is actually trying to inflict pain to your daddy. But he knows that his days are numbered. There's nothing else left for him. He is trying to gather as much as he can with the time that is left. So when we get to the realization that this is about him, it changes everything. Personally, I didn't have to fight for promotion anymore. And even if I lose it for good reasons, his reasons, I rejoice because I know that he's saying to me, I am well pleased with you not being corrupt by getting that promotion. Well done, my son. Don't try to make it happen. It's him. He's putting you in his world. It's about him. 
It's his angels. He is declaring full ownership over you. That is a perspective that changed everything for me. And I pray that that perspective changes everything for you. When you approach your boss, know that that boss is actually, God is claiming his soul and wants his soul as well. Your colleagues, God is saying, mine, 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 mine. And that's why the sons of the kingdom are in his world. This perspective to me brought sense to purpose of everything. It brought sense to the potential of everything. When I looked at it from his perspective, what was most important, it brought perspective to what is the measure of my performance in the workplace. Sometimes the standard through which we are measured is so low when God looks at it. And if that's the standard that we're going to put for ourselves, we would have missed the mark. He is the one who determines your success. Success is defined by him because it is him who puts you in his world. May that be ministering to you. What about pay? I look at it from his perspective. I say, God, I'm in the field that you've planted me in. Instead of me fighting with the flesh, I'm going back to the master and say, Daddy, King of kings, rise on my behalf. I can go to him knowing that it's him. But what is this world that he loves so much? The field that he planted you in, what is it? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. John says, Here comes the Lamb of God to save the world from its sin. Paul says, God is reconciling this world to himself. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But what is, it, this, what is this world that he's talking about? Many of us, when we think of the world, we think of the scripture that speaks about do not love the world and everything that's in it. And it's the same word, by the way, that he's referring to. So he's saying, bestow value into the world. Do not derive value out of the world. He's saying, go and multiply. Go and be fruitful in the world. Do not attach your value system to it. It cannot feed it. Your identity cannot come from it. What is this world? The Bible says this world in the Greek is the universe, is the creation, the worldly affairs. Can you believe it? That Jesus came to save us. 
Even the worldly systems. He wants everything. The inhabitants of the world, the, the major causes of the decay in the world are people. He came to save us. The adornment. When you drive in this nation, you see the beauty of God, the beauty of the environment, the beauty of the nation. You, you look at the mountain, you, you just see God manifested. He wants it back. That's why he planted you in your field. Which field are you in? You remember that question? When you ask somebody about his career, which field are you in? Which world has God called you to be a son of the kingdom to? It changed everything because I knew when I go to work, I've got a greater responsibility than the deadline that I have. My words must reflect the king. My actions must reflect the family I come from. And the family I come from is called the family of heaven. The family you come from is called the family of heaven. So I cannot be seen doing certain things or saying certain things because of where I come from. In the marketplace, the standard through which we are called to live by is not the same as the standard of the sons of the evil one. So, I've already read that. So, God has planted us in the marketplace. You know why? Because that's where the inhabitants of the world are. I remember a day when Sundays used to be closed shop. People never used to do much on Sundays. Why? Because people were at church. But right now, Sundays are a time for people to rest. But guess what happens every Monday? All of the sons and the inhabitants of the earth go to work. And he planted you there. The only Jesus they'll find. The only Bible they'll read. Not only that, major decisions and actions that affects God's creation happens in the marketplace. In the boardrooms, in the, in the staff meetings. Are we going to give that person a promotion or not? Are we going to fire that person or not? having devastating effects on families, happens in the marketplace. Are we going to frag or not frag? In the marketplace. How do we bring a balance between the two? In the marketplace. The systems and patterns of the world are in the marketplace as well. The perceptions that shape culture and that culture takes people to heaven or hell in the marketplace. Lastly, the wealth and the power and the dominion for which Christ is coming back for is also in the marketplace. So we're going to need to go as the children of God and claim it. And claim it. The environment is crying for the manifestations of the sons of God. In the final analysis, when all is said and done, when we stand before the king, this is what's going to be happening. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before him. 
for kingship belongs to our Lord. He rules over nations. I saw a temple. I saw no temple in the city. Speaking about the new Jerusalem. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need for the sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and its impact. And its light is the Lamb. By its light, the nations, listen to this slow. Let me read it slowly. By its light, nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory to it. What is this glory? Its gate will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of nations. What is the qualification to be in the presence of God? But nothing unclean will ever enter it. No one who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Imagine nations bringing the honor and the glory to the King of Kings. Which nation is that? Can South Africa be part of it? Can the industry that you work in be part of it? Can the wealth that of your industry be presented to our king, to our God, because it's purified. The people are bringing it. They know Jesus. The gospel is the answer in the marketplace. That's what happens when all is said and done. The wealth of the wicked is being prepared for the righteous. Everything that happens is for him, guys. It's for him. We have to choose which story we're going to be part of. We're going, to be, we're going to choose when we work. Are we working for him? Are we working for the paycheck? This is what happens when all is said and done. He wanted this to, he wanted everything. He, he died for everything. And when he died for everything, he said, let me have agents to go reclaim what I've died for. He put the sons of the kingdom in his field. That word good seed there speaks about, it has two meanings. It's the word beautiful as an outward sign of an inward good. Something happened in the inside. It's noble. It's one of a kind. It's honorable character. Good, worthy, and seen to be worthy. But it also means to be attractively good. Good that inspires and motivates others to embrace what is lovely, what is beautiful, what is praiseworthy, what is well done, what is appealing. That's why we are in the marketplace, guys to be good, to be beautiful, to be the light of the world, to preserve the world from decay. What am I doing, Dennis? 
The Bible says you are the light of the world, the cosmos, light of the creation, light of the universe, light of the inhabitants of the world. You are light of it all. You are not just light of something small. So go out there and be good. Be appealing. Let them want to know your Christ. Because at the end, that's what matters. I had a privilege two years ago. The industry that I work in had just experienced five-month strike. And by God's divine intervention, during the next cycle of strikes, I was praying with one of the key leaders in the nation every morning, four o'clock, before the day started, praying that this, this coming wage negotiation be, will not have blood on it. will be smooth. Parties will find each other. By the authority that he had in the marketplace, in that realm, we joined hands when we called on heaven to come and be with the industry. And the testimony speaks for itself. Many other people prayed, I believe. One of the transactions we worked on happened to be a transaction of a person who was a pastor. This pastor was leading a church and the church could not pay him a salary in the community, rural community. When we concluded the transaction, it so happened that other investments that he had went south. The only sustenance that God used until today, is the transaction we worked on. What it means is that every Sunday when he preaches, the souls that are coming to the Lord, the work we've done still echoes in eternity because it contributes to the souls that are working. He could not fulfill his destiny had that transaction not been done with diligence. I remember a time where we had to go and convince the sellers to say and find way and ask God for wisdom. I could not do it without God. And we prayed and I said, God, please open a way, soften the hearts of the sellers so that this transaction could go through. At that particular time, I did not know what was at stake. The work you do matters and echoes in eternity. Some of you, all you do, you pay debt, you, you pay suppliers. And you're thinking, I'm just paying suppliers. All I do, I'm paying suppliers. But you don't know what the person behind the supply you are paying. There's a child waiting for the school fees to be paid. And unless that school fees to be paid, he will actually run away from the Lord. And he will not be part of the nations that will join in when they are, the nations are coming to parade their glory. Because you did your work shabby. But if you do your work well, and they see the goodness of God, in the fact that God is a provider by pressing the button that you pressed when you pressed it. 
Strengthening his relationship with God and using that as a testimony that makes somebody to come to the Lord. It echoes in eternity. Everything that we do echoes in eternity. I remember asking one of the guys that please help the provincial government for the sake of the nation. He wanted to pull out out of a contract that was not administered properly. A year before, students died trying to register. The province is trying to automate a system, but the sons of the evil one were part of it, and they wanted to corrupt it and make sure that the money is, is used in a way that God does not want. And so this guy is trying. It's like, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm saying, do it for the sake of the nation. People are dying if you don't do your work well. And if they die without knowing the Lord, it echoes in eternity. He came to save everything. So by the authority and the power of God he, that he gave me, I'm commissioning you. As an ambassador, together with me, let us go to the marketplace to reclaim everything. Let us go to the marketplace. Tomorrow when you wake up, you are not just waking up to pay the bills. You are waking up to make sure that the king of glory can receive his wealth, can receive his dominion, can receive his power, can receive his beauty. That's how you end the sermon. You just <laughs> Chap, come pray for us and we'll close. In every weed, there are eight herds. In every herd, there are over 40 seeds in every seed. We all have to go back to God and account for our time. He plants good seed. He calls it good. He calls you good. He's expecting goodness from you. The world may not see you as good, but He calls you good. In every seed, there are multiple seeds that comes out of every head. I pray, Lord, as we come before you, that you may say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I pray that you may have the anointing of God to do the work that we do, to minister, to reclaim everything, Lord, to hear your voice in the marketplace, to depend solely on the Holy Spirit in the work that we do, Lord. Because there are lives at stake and you paid for those lives. We pray, O oh God Almighty, that we may move from just a career where we think we are tools of other people's enrichment. No. But we are moved from that perspective to a perspective that says, Lord, we want to present back to you honor, 
glory, beauty, because salvation belongs to you. You have died for all of it. And everywhere you plant us, oh God, we will reclaim it. We agree this evening that we will reclaim it. Where we have slacked in our work, we repent because we would have missed the mark. We pray the spirit of excellence upon us. We ask that you be with us in our daily work, oh God. Pro- pro- protect us from the evil one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You died for the world and you've called us to go and reclaim it. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Can we give Champ a hand? Thank you. I want to give you a, a very quick summary. I, I think that was such a powerful word, and I want to remind you of this. I think if you, if you view your life on the basis of your career, you always settle for the rewards that you can see. I don't think that's the Bible. I don't think it is. I think if you view your life from the basis of the kingdom, you live a kind of life that means there are some things that you only know when you die, the kind of impact that they had. I think that's the kind of life we live. As a result, we do all things as unto the Lord. We don't do some things. We don't do the things that will give us the immediate fruit that allow us to go that worked. We even do the stuff that no one else wants to do because we know it counts for him. So as we close this series, I think it's appropriate that our hearts and our minds are set on being people of the kingdom versus being people of a career. I pray to God that your career succeeds. I pray to God that you make loads of friends, loads of money, have loads of influence, but I hope that the loads that you make don't drown the call, the staff, that thing that God has given you to go out into, into the world and make kingdom-type difference.